The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner-creator of FSW, Future Stars of Wrestling, here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, how are you doing today? Oh, a lot better than I have been. <laughs> uh, have uh, have the headaches started to subside a little bit now that uh, everything's kind of in motion and shows are, you know, uh, a little more fluidity to them, um, you know, and also a little more audience as well? Nah, there's always headaches. It's never going to change, you know. No matter where you're at, most people aren't going to be satisfied. And sometimes it's a little bit more of a a struggle, you know, dealing with people on the day-to-day basis. But, you know, today's a little mellower because we came off a great show, you know, this past weekend. Saturday night, killed it. Uh, I'll be the first to admit, you know, it was cool having Psycho Clown and Sam Adonis, and I really had some trepidations about putting it in the main event spot, but I have to say that was one of the most entertaining main events that we may have had uh, in the the past year. It, it It was awesome. The crowd was great. It was so great that our fans were throwing dollars or maybe $5 bills and 20s. I don't know. But there was a lot of rolled up money in the uh, in the ring for Psycho Clown. He, he, he tremendous. That's amazing. Uh, with uh, the, the level of talent that those two have, um, do some of the younger, either the students or some of the younger active uh guys on the roster do you see them like sticking around to watch the main event kind of you know poking their heads out or watching you know even uh if they have the network on their phone um is that something that a you encourage you know and and i'm sure sin and the other trainers encourage the students to do and b is it something that you notice that they're anticipating you know wanting to see those two guys, um, and maybe it's something that they can aspire to when you see that the main event is so receptive uh, to two guys who are not technically even in the company. Is that just a good opportunity for those guys to learn? Well, you made a statement, you know, stick around for the main event. If any of those motherfuckers leave before the show's over... There's going to be hell to bay. If, if you're a young guy, you know, you need to be the ones helping at the end after the show's over. Yep. So whether you're paying attention or not, I don't know, but it sure seemed like a lot of people did. And 
I think it was a better moment for guys like the Jay Vidal's and Matt Vander. I, I jokingly went up to Jay Vidal after the show ended. Like, hey, sorry, bro, but I can't tell you you had the best match tonight. He was like, no, I know, I know. And it was like had they had the crowd, they had the excitement. You know, thankfully, you know, we did keep them in that main event spot which I may not have, but I actually saw some clip that MK uh, about the feud, and I saw how bloody and crazy it seemed like just from a three-minute clip. And you also got to understand the show featured a no-DQ match and a uh, street fight. It's like, okay. And I think we did a tremendous job of where we had placement. Placement's always extremely important. Yeah. You know, uh, having Strella and Sandra Moon in the no DQ match early uh, was well done just because of the fact, A, a women's match that was no DQ. Right. You know, they brought out the tables, you know, the, the tape spot at the end where Sandra choked out. Strella really got over strong with the crowd. So now that's early on. And now we have some good matches in between. Creature Feature and Suavecitos had a really, really good match. Uh, you know, then we had the street fight that started outside in the alley. And, you know, it went as well or better than we could have expected to. You know, it's sure. Rocky T with a young rookie, Brett the Threat. And. You know, the crowd was really, really into the match. So, you know, once it got inside, it was pretty short and sweet, which was good because we don't, you know, most of the time everybody wants to overstay their welcome. Right. You know, and their eight minutes becomes 13 minutes and their 10 minutes becomes 17 minutes. And then a lot of times there's just dragging that there was a reason why I gave it 10 minutes and not 17, right? you know, and, you know, Sefa, you know, he is just, you know, exploding, you know, I didn't know Chris Bay was going to be there uh, until, you know, basically showtime, you yeah. know, it was, I was thinking about it and probably in that situation, we probably could have did the tag match, but I wasn't thinking Chris was going to be around. So it's like, Hey, let's do Sefa and ice. And, you know, the the injury to Ice Williams, you know, his leg still hurts from super kicking Bay and Sefa. Thankfully, it recovered later in the night. But, you know, now we have another marquee matchup that will happen uh, this Friday night with the Ice and Sefa for the No Limits title. So it's like we got some great, great regular FSW talent that are going to be there. Uh, we just added the MK Army, Toko Uso and Tito. They're going to be in a six-man against Sky High and Graves, you know, <laughs> and Graves had his issues with, you know, Toko Uso when he the title and came back with the uh, Hammerstone. So, and he wrestled Tito and lost. So, Graves yeah. is on a two-man streak, which... You know, he wasn't on a one-match losing streak for two years almost. So, you know, the card is stacked. 
The card is so stacked. How stacked is it? Yeah. Well, <laughs> the pre-show match is Hero Lou versus Class. Oh, Jesus. The pre-show match? <sighs> that is the pre-show match. Wow. We already have nine matches. We can't go to ten. Wow. So, really, that's an opportunity for the younger guys. And technically, Hero's a younger guy, but but a guy on his stature... You know, he deserves a match. This is the cash-in-the-case guy. Yeah. And because of the scramble match being more the no-limits guy, it wasn't really spot for class. And I felt that, you know, it was necessary for him to be on there, you know, whether it's on the Facebook or the YouTube where the pre-show airs live. Uh, you know, those are those are two guys that could be battling for – some championships in the in the next couple of years. So, you know, I made the call to add that pre-show match, which now keeps class around just in case, you know, <laughs> something happens with Remy or Hammerstone where he decides he may want to cash in. <laughs> um, I love that anticipation and that uh, that thought process behind, yeah, you know, pre-show and then he's there. You never know. Um, with, uh, let's talk a little bit about, uh, some of those matches, um, with the street fight match, do you, is it very pick and choose when Rocky is used in a more physical role? Um, and do you think that the build for the match itself lended to the anticipation. Um, obviously, it's you know when you when you do a street fight, um, it's a lot of times it's hard to keep the fans engaged um, until they get back into the ring. So was that kind of that build up something that kept the fans wanting um, to actually? focus in on the match as opposed to using it, you know, as a quick bathroom break um, because it's, you know, you're not getting a lot of live action until they get back in the uh, arena itself. Well, being that it started off as a, uh, as an interview segment, you know, it was fine, but the production was really, really good. And, and, you know, they didn't, it didn't go that long. You know what I'm saying? So I think, you know, the first part's the interview segment. So, you know, that burned 30, 45 seconds. And Brett's very entertaining on the microphone. You know, he's stuff that really can irritate people, yeah. you know. And, and, and that, is, that is hard, you know. We, we're fortunate. Uh, a guy like Brett the Threat, a guy like Class, they immediately can, can garner heat. Yeah. You know, they're not going to be nice guys. They're not trying to be your friend. You know, too many times in wrestling, you know, the heel comes out and he's trying to be cool. And, you know, he's trying to sell those six shirts at at the merch table. Yeah. And you can't really do that if you basically call the fan an asshole. You know, I'm pretty sure most of them aren't going to buy a shirt, you know, unless they want to burn it, you know. And if you can get people to buy a shirt to burn it, Man, you you got some super heat yeah. there. 
Yeah, you, you know what I mean? So, like I said, I think it was positioned properly. Uh, and in all honesty, the the match came together organically. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, hey, this is the idea. Now, we did have the idea with Brett to where, you know, when he cut the promo because he had gotten funny bone because he was bitching and whining about not getting an opportunity in a singles match. You know, here we go again. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm, I'm way better than those young other young guys <laughs> who are fortunate enough to be in a six-man tag. Right. Now, the promo was supposed to talk about FSW management and not Rocky T. When he talked about Rocky T, it was like, you know what? I think I keep talking about Rocky T, you know, and, you know, Rocky's never shy when it comes to cutting a promo. So now all of a sudden these guys are going back and forth and being that Brett's got a handful of matches and the crowd already doesn't like him, you know, he'll never win most hated this year because the Suavecitos own that. But, you know, Brett Brett is right there with Ricky Tapicious is probably the nominees for most hated wrestlers. And I joke and I say, well, it ain't even the Suavecitos, it's Danny. People don't really hate Ricky. They hate Danny with a fucking passion. Yeah. Like, they, you know... He he was going at it again ringside with, with, with the fans. It's like, I'm watching this guy as the match is going, and he's busy jabbering, not even paying attention to his partner or anything that's going on because he's trying to get the last word in when it comes to, you know, a fan, you know, uh, making their signature Suave Puto's, uh, you know, thing for him, you know? And, so, you know, getting to what the way the street fight was, you know, again, it didn't overstay its welcome. You know, it was yeah. entertaining. You know, we added a little to what that no DQ match had, you know, the the, the, the chair and the stop sign and, and the garbage can. And they didn't go overboard on the gimmicks. So when we got to the main event, which in, in reality – you know, MK put all that stuff together. Hey, right. is it cool? You know, we're trying to do some stuff with AAA. Obviously, we're looking for the exposure. You know, hopefully a lot of the footage will get played on the AAA show. And the mention of how they were in Vegas, you know, we always like that. You know, besides the fact that, you know, we were we have uh, the Warren Stories uh, Netflix show that features FSW, now the most wanted treasures of WWE that Sin put together. Uh, to use the facility, and then the RVD thing on the Vice Channel. Right. So our, our school and arena has gotten, you know, some good exposure, you know, over the last, you know, couple weeks. Yeah. So then it was like I saw MK post a picture, and I thought it might have been light tubes. I'm like, hey, bro, what do you bring in? on that truck to the show and he goes oh it's just some doors i'm like oh okay i'm just making sure it ain't no light tubes you know with people 10 feet away you know yeah it's no kidding doing crazy shit but we don't do gcw nick gage crazy shit. Yeah, no kidding oh man you know what i mean yeah 
I've already been I've already been warned trying to find out the canvas situation because I'm told it may get violent on the GCW show with Nick Gage Saturday night. Uh, you know, side note um, about that. Let me ask you. Um, they are running that. Um, I think it was. Uh, it's on Fourth Street, I believe. It's where Sin did the freak show wrestling. Um, no, it is not. It's not okay. I don't think so. Okay. Um, with uh, where he did the freak show was the old place where they used to get the sheriff's cards. Oh, okay. They used to, it's a venue. Meet Las Vegas isn't just a concert venue. They do like the conventions, and it's like I believe it's something totally different. Yeah. Okay. Um, with that, do you guys uh, are you providing the ring? Um, so basically, after your Friday show, will the students break down the ring and then the ring travel? Is that basically how it works for uh, a company coming in and doing some kind of rental um, of a, of the ring for an event like this? And how how important is it to you that in a case where they do say, hey, this could be violent, um, you know, there could be a lot of blood, how important is it to you that if that happens that you have, do you have a, like a backup, uh, you know, canvas? Or is it like if it gets you know, total, then they have to pay for it. How does that work with, with renting the ring stuff? Well, th this is how this weekend's going to go. So we have a huge show Friday night at 7 o'clock. It's probably going to be at least a three-hour show. Right. So now we're at about 10 o'clock. So I hit up Brett from GCW, like, hey, is there any chance, you know, since that's the best opportunity to set up the ring would be Friday night at, say, 11 o'clock. Because all the students and all the wrestlers are already there. Right. You know, but from what I understand, meet Las Vegas. And as well, when I talk to the, uh, the industrial event space, their prices are out of fucking minds. <laughs> like, you know, talking literally four times the amount that we paid to be in Samstown. Jeez. Okay. So I was told he hit up the venue about setting up Friday night at around 11 o'clock. And they were willing, but they were charging an exorbitant amount of more money to do that. Yeah. So, things being said, even though GCW is running Saturday night, uh, Jamie Iovine, whose father owns Interscope Records, Jimmy Iovine, one of the biggest yeah. you know, producers in the history of music. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure he has no shortage of money. Uh, he is running a show at about 3 o'clock in the same spot that afternoon. So we have to now go at 10 a.m. to set up the ring. Wow. So we'll set up the ring, which also means Joey is running their live stream production. So... I didn't know it, but now I found out that Joey's actually doing both shows. So he's got an extremely long day. Wow. And he's there. And now which now that only means that we got to take the ring. It now means that 
the cords that went through the ceiling and the cables and even the hundred foot mic cables, we're trying to see if we can like, you know, 25 footers. Right. Because it's in that meet Las Vegas. So it isn't the distance that would be there. We really don't want to take apart our entire production equipment, but we do. So we got to take everything out of the office, load it up in my trunk. And then he's got to set everything up oh. and get it all together in three or four hours. So he's got the more difficult process than we do. GCW is going to have people there. And we've seen in the past that a lot of people will drive from surrounding areas just to help out and maybe get a chance to be looked at. Or maybe, you know, they throw a rumble match or a scramble match or a battle royal or they need somebody for something, you know, that's how it worked for Juicy. You know, Juicy yeah. took a plane and flew over to wherever they were doing a show. Uh, they had an opening, and now Juicy's a semi-regular, you know, on some GCW shows. He yeah. put in the work, he put in the effort, and he got rewarded for it. So now we got to set up the ring. Now they're going to have the show, so I'm going to be there the majority of the time, you know, during the shows. So it's almost like me running a show. You know, I'm going to be there for 10 hours. It's going to be me being there longer because if anything goes wrong, if there's any issues, who's the guy? Just like it impacted Samstown. Right. Whether it's, uh, whether it's Scott Diamor needing stirs for his coffee or, you know, somebody needing actual work done, you know, um, I'm, the, I'm, the med- I'm the middle guy. I'm the mediator. You know, I'm, I'm the guy that they're going to ask about doing it. You know, we have to have the crew there just in case something happens. Maybe the top rope snaps, whatever yeah. it is. You know, we have to have people on site just in case, you know, there's an issue. So we had talked with GCW about doing a joint show on Sunday, but it was like, you know what? There is just so much going on. And again, we're only going to be able to put 110, 120 in our venue. I asked him, I'm like, hey, what do you think about uh, we do Friday night at the Meet Las Vegas and they do the Saturday? But of course, it became, well, now you have to rent it for an entire another day. Yeah. Like, not that they're doing anything, not pandemic. Let's give people breaks. So, you know, we weren't going to come out of pocket. Yeah. You know, thousands dollars to bring in an extra 75 people yeah yeah it's it's a shame you made a very good point um i think that the the initial price gouging that we're seeing going on because of the fact that so many companies want to take advantage of a the anticipation of opening up live and people wanting to be there and then b having obviously the problems with the pandemic and you know drawing the audiences and the rentals to these locations you know it 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 sucks but it's understandable um and see the other thing is i can't call samstown and book a place i can't get silver nugget so now instead of this many options to run a show now there's this many options. Yeah. Places like rec centers and YMCAs and places that have no lighting and no trussing. And it's like that generic 
YouTube wrestling shows that you can see at any given time. Right. We have higher standards than that. You know, we did one show at a boys and girls club and wasn't very well attended. And we had a good show. We had good people on it and things like that. But you could just see it was it was a, a regular local yokel indie show that might have good people on it. But there was, you know, a handmade curtain, you know what right, I mean? Right. And the only lights were the overhead lights of the building. Yeah. Uh, uh, of the gym, because all it was is a gym. You could be playing basketball in between the wrestling matches, you know? And the options now of the casinos are, you know, I, I finally made some contact with people who runs Samstown now, which the guy in charge is the guy who runs the Orleans arena. And okay. he sent me a very nice email looking forward to hopefully working with us in the future, but basically specified how they're not going to do anything until the governor signs off, not an approximation. The governor signs off that says you can do a hundred percent capacity and no social distancing, not Hey, we're going to take dates in October because he said if we have 60%, they're not taking that shot. So they're looking at January 2022, and if it changes, then they could do stuff in October. Wow. And they also insinuated with the changing times without saying it, that also means changing prices. Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. It's it's a... so thankfully, thankfully wow. we have an arena that at least if we can get to 100 percent capacity, we could squeeze those motherfuckers in and get 220 people. But on an anniversary show, we'd be embarrassed if we did 220 people. Right. But you know, changing times. Just like we have a referee, we have a wrestler who still will not get involved. There's numerous fans that are still very iffy about doing things socially just because they're opened up they're still concerned you know they may be vaccinated and they're still concerned so you know it's going to be crazy because once it opens up it's like people said well hey they're going to raise the prices and now you got billy idol but now instead of 50 shows there's 150 shows because right. everybody wants to get on the road and everybody wants to tour. And now there's going to be a million shows. There'll be like, nobody will be like dark. There won't be a dark Monday or a dark Sunday or a right. dark Tuesday. It's like they're trying to recoup, you know, especially the entertainers who, who weren't making any money for, for over a year. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a fair, that's a fair analysis too. Um, and what really sucks about that then becomes the competitive nature of where you're getting your your you know fan base from because now you're basically asking people to choose well hey do i go see billy idol or do i go see fsw or do i go see you know the newest cirque or something like that it just seems like there's going to be that um, that weird feeling of where do I spend my dollars and how much can I actually spend too, which is 
going to be a very interesting, um, I guess, experiment, because we really haven't seen this before, where you have a lot of people who were probably out of work for a long time, and now how do you budget in? You know, being able to catch live events is something that is going to be a very interesting question. In the long run, do you think that even though, let's say, you have to wait until uh, 2022, uh, beginning of the year, would you anticipate that because the fan experience for FSW would have been relegated then to just the arena and a you know approximation of let's say a hundred to two hundred people depending on the lift of the uh, the limitations do you think that first samstown show will draw that hungry base of fans who couldn't get into the fsw arena for this reason or another and could we potentially see that becoming like one of the biggest shows you've ever done just because it'd be almost like a family reunion where people are so hungry for this big time atmosphere and you know seeing their favorite performers live again in that wonderful you know lighting setup and ring setup and just that that energy that goes through that building in all honesty, I think it could go either way. It could be it could be the lowest attended show, or it could be the the highest attended show. You know, I know fans specifically that have never come to the FSW arena. They treat the Samstown show as an event. Right. It's as if they were going to the the the, the Golden Knights game. Right. You know, they're going to Samstown. They're making a night. of it they're 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 eating or both you know with the show they're enjoying the show there's tons of people you know we gave away a, a bunch of tickets to vet ticks and they we're always eager which we can't do now because we have no room you right. know we income is limited so we need to have every dollar count right you know in the past you know funny bone and the family and, and the stuff we would you know sit them in the bleachers like for the bigger shows now, it's like, hey, just so you know, you know, we'll put a monitor up in the back and, you know, the family can watch there. But we we can't just give away 12 out of the 50 seats yeah. that are in the pictures, you know, that that costs money, you know, and for the shows, I'd love to believe, but it's like. What has happened in the year? How many of our regular fans moved away from Vegas because they have no job? How many new people are here that aren't really aware of FSW? When we did run shows sporadically throughout the year, it was never promoted social media-wise. It was, yeah, if you were an FSW fan who has come to our shows in the past and you happen to be on the fan page, you were the only ones who had access to what we were doing. Right. Now, we need to really uptick, you know, the social media following, which we've done well and we've gotten, you know, bigger, but it needs to be out there. You know, whether that means running a commercial again 
at ring on a ring of honor show or a wwe show that's always an option but we've also learned how many people just dvr it and they fast forward through the commercials right so now it's like we have to be smart financially cost effective wise because now i have to budget in at least say an extra thousand dollars for a venue than what we were paying before that we had to count well a thousand dollars is 50 general admission tickets just cover that so if we were making x amount of dollars we need to sell 50 more tickets just to get that money back yeah you know and it's like one thing i've learned with the the, the bigger names and things like that that a lot of people are asking for more money than they did before the pandemic which is extremely weird to me because there's less shows there's less opportunities you yeah. know we're only able to put for a while 50 60 people in there you know i explained to every single person that we've used on a show hey this is what we can do you know generally I'm going to pay more money at a casino show for our regulars than I'm going to pay them for an arena show. And despite the fact we've done bigger arena shows, there's still the FSW arena shows with 80 people. You know, I can't pay you the Samstown rate or the Silverton rate because guess what? We had 87 people there today. Right. You know, at Hammerstone and we still had Graves and we still had Tito and we still had Remy and Cody and the R&B and Jacob Boston Young and Jay Vidal and the Unguided and you know the few other Eli Everflies and we had to bring in all these guys still and even though they're working for a, a little less than they would for the casino show they're still being paid to show up Yeah, you know and Obviously, it affected us because bottom line was there was less income coming in, you know? Right. Um, does it also make it a little kind of a double-edged sword as well because of the fact that there isn't then an opportunity for, let's say, flyers to be handed out? You know, the the old tried-and-true foot warriors um, because... You know, there there aren't huge events per se, and obviously, if you go down to the strip, you can have a flyers on the strip. That probably is going to do. You know, if you sell one or two tickets from that, you know, you're lucky if you sold exactly. One. Yeah. So does, right, because in the past, right, it, there is no shows. So the way we grew the mecca was working with Ring of Honor. So I was actually allowed to be inside Samstown. And we put flyers on basically every chair. Yep. And then we did it again. And then we did it again. And we and we continued to grow. As I said, I remember having my little square on my phone and literally selling tickets before the pre-show started. Like, hey, we got this, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, oh, yeah, this sounds really good. And it's like, they may forget. They may have something else planned, and it's like, "Hey, you want to buy tickets? Get your tickets right now!" Yeah. And we and I carry the tickets, and we would sell tickets right then and there. Same thing with Impact. If we had a show coming up, boom, you know, we would hand hand them out. Uh, I personally 
will go and hand out most of the flyers. The guys will put them on the chairs, but I'll walk up to people. At WWE, when they were at Thomas and Mac, or they're at the uh, T-Mobile now, like, I would, there would always be a line, and people would always be there two hours early. Right. And the line would form, and you'd have to stand there, and there are groups of ten lines. And I'd go down, and I'd talk loudly. Hey, how you doing? I'm Joe DeFalco. I run FSW. We're a local company. Hey, we got Matt Hardy on the show. We got this guy. We got Cross. Blah, 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 blah. So you try to say it to where people can hear it so you don't have to say it a thousand times. Yeah. At least you have to say it a hundred times. And you hand out the flyer. You hand out the flyer. And it's a lot easier to hand them flyers that way. Then I remember back in the day, and I remember the first time we were we were going to be doing a, a show. And I'm not even sure if we were doing it at Sam's Town. I don't even think we were because we got yapped at because it was after one of the WWE pay-per-views. <laughs> okay. They were running the WWE pay-per-views. It was free of charge. So a lot of those people weren't buying shit. Right. Okay? No matter how many flyers you handed out, yeah, there would be some. But the majority of them, you'd walk up to them and they basically, you'd hand them the flyer and they just let it drop on the floor. Yeah. Like, I think you were a wrestling fan. You know, have some some courtesy. Like, hey, hey I'm not interested. Thank you. And it's like, and, and that's when you realize having a guy like Hammerstone and Cross on the flyer don't mean shit if they're just independent local wrestlers. Because their perception of wrestling locally is a bunch of backyard kids that don't know what the fuck they're doing. Right. So that was the start of, hey, we got Matt Hardy on the show. We got this guy. We got that guy. And now people will take a look at the flyer. Right. Because my uh, my mentality would always be, if I can get you into one FSW show and you're a wrestling fan, I believe I can get you to go to more than one show. Yeah. You know? And I think you could become a fan of what we do because the experience of being in the front row, you're 10 feet away, you know, after the show, before the show, the wrestlers are outside, they mingle, they chat, you know, even the heels are like wonderfully nice, you know, before, <laughs> after the show, Hey, would you like to buy my t-shirt? You know, I'll even take a picture with you, you know, yeah. because that, that, that that's part of the grind of, what the local guy needs to do because he can make more money selling four shirts than he's going to make, you know, for his payday. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, you know, we're not in a position to have contracts and say, Hey, Remy Marcel, I don't want you working any of the other local shows. Uh, you know, here's a grand a month, whether we do a show or not. You know, we're, we we can't do that. So somebody else offers them the, the money to do the show. So what would be my option? I either have to pay him, that guy who was going to pay him. Right. Or I do the show without any questions. So what do I do? I let people work as often as they are. The young guys need to work. Right. You know, you know the only thing I ask is when, especially now, because there's shows all over that are getting booked from companies I've never even heard of, like that have never run. And there's a Thursday show and a, there's a Tuesday thing and there's this and there's that. And, you know, people are running. 
So I try to say, hey, if you're in an upper position and you're going to be on somebody else's show, and, and that goes for, you know, Ricky at Big Valley. You know, if he's going to use one of my main guys and job him out to a young, inexperienced guy, I'm not going to be fond of that. Right. And I'm going to make that person aware, you know, like, hey, with us, you're here. And if you're in a tag team, I can't have you beating all these teams and then you go over there and you're losing all their teams who aren't even better than our teams. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, and then, of course, some people who don't talk to me because I guess they're intimidated, afraid that, you know, they don't know what I'm going to say, you know, like I had a conversation recently and because somebody else, you know, encouraged them not to work other shows or be careful of what they were. It was kind of like, well, you know, Joe doesn't want us working anywhere else. What the fuck are you talking about? Like, I don't care if you work somewhere else. I prefer you work in Arizona and California. That's the experience of going out and getting your name value. Yeah. Wrestling four different shows in four different weeks doesn't give me any value to you being on the show. Right. You know, especially if you live here. Yeah. You know, the out-of-town guys don't get a booking here. They'll get a booking there. I'm not going to book them all the time. But if there's guys I'm going to book three, four times a month, and now you're over there working two, three times a month, and then you're over there working two times a month, you know, that's cool that you're getting eight bookings in the month. But in reality, we're putting all of us are putting you on a show, but there's no way you're going to, you know, generate the buzz of, oh, I'm going to buy a ticket because he's on our, he's on that FSW show. Right. But I can do that as a fact that I know if Hammerstone or Sefa or Chris Bay are working because generally they're just working our show. So, you know, Hammerstone and Graves aren't working anywhere else. Right. Lucky if he works anywhere else in Arizona because he hates everybody. So, you know. I don't. I don't think uh, Graves is happy with having to do the uh, the ride this coming weekend. Yeah, I saw that. You know, he didn't get mentioned, and you know, the nine hours in a car. It's like, on, you know, he loves being in the car with Hammerstone. <laughs> uh, you know, let me ask you about you know, kind of what you're talking about here, and this is something that I don't know how you know a lot of the younger wrestlers. Who are trying to get the experience and and taking bookings, um, for uh, you know the other local shows that are coming about? How are you able to tell students or young wrestlers or even those guys who are you know not not quite at the the top yet, but you know are, are that mid card flirting with going to the top? Uh, how do you convince them that brand recognition for themselves is very important because of the investment that your company makes into their character, whereas they could be devaluing themselves, even though when you go to all these different local shows, you have 
a number, a percentage, a high percentage of fans who are the same fans. So obviously they support anything that's wrestling here in Las Vegas. But a lot of times I think the you know younger talent, they don't even think about what it means to build your brand in the manner of what the promoter lends to that happening and how it could also then affect you negatively by going somewhere else and basically taking every stock that was put into you and now it's really just kind of you know guttering out so you might be getting experience but you're also hurting what you are working to establish is that something that you know there's is that something that you guys teach in terms of you know some of the um, the trainers? Um, something that you you know will talk to guys about in the office? How does that go in helping guys realize that potential of what that means to have a brand in yourself and to you know make that stock shine as opposed to just trying to get experience? Well, first and foremost, you, you, you try to create a happy medium, something that I'm okay with, something that you're okay with. When you're a guy who's really nowhere near the main roster right? and you get on the show with FSW, I am really doing you a favor right? because nobody in the world is going to book you yet, but because you go to FSW guys like Eli Everfly and Brandon Gatson and Tito Escondido don't get put on shows because I wanted to make sure that the Suavecitos and the Nick Xanders and the Brett the Threats would get an opportunity. Yeah. If I just used the, the, the that I would use at a casino show, at the arena show, how many matches would these guys really get? We do a future shock show for a reason, right? To get the young guys on. Now, they all understand because of the school they attend, which is ours. You know, they can go attend a different wrestling school, and the majority of them don't have a promotion attached to it, right? So, if you go to Joe Blow's wrestling school in California. When you're done, you and a hundred guys who've never had a match are going to probably try to hit me up. They're going to hit up B-Boy at Level Up, and they'll hit up Santino's, or they'll hit up all these people, yeah. and they'll say, hey, I'd love to come work for your company. Uh, I've had two matches. And it's like, well, we have a hundred guys that train with us who pay to be there. You know, unless you're a fucking prodigy – the odds of you getting on that show are slim to none. Now, as I've stated in the past, the respect of the talent that is brought in, like at Santino Brothers, the reason why we use seven, eight, nine of those guys is because, you know, Tito brought Che, and then they brought Doug, and they brought Eli. And then they brought Wasco, and they brought this guy, and Heather Monroe, and they all brought people that they knew were capable workers. Right. And they got to build a relationship. 
or the Arizona crew with Watson in them. Those guys used to come down and do as much work and sometimes more. Like, these motherfuckers drove five hours or, as Graves said, nine hours in a car to know for a fact they weren't going to be on the show. Yeah. But they want to help out. They were at Samstown. They helped set up the ring. They helped break down the ring. Thank you, sir. Whatever you needed me to do, sir. And it's like, because they understand that if they can get on a show and they can produce, they can get to be on more shows. And that's where the happy medium comes in. You know, people want opportunities. Well, who am I to say you can't work over there when we do four shows and I'm using you once? Yeah. You know, you're a young, inexperienced wrestler. You need to get as much rep time as possible. And our school's great because when there's practice matches, look at our roster <laughs> and even look at the younger, younger guys, you know, yeah. the Frescos the, the and the Suavecitos and the, the Creature Features and the Sky Highs and the Knicks and the Bretts and even, you know, Damian Drake and Matt Vandergriff and, you know, Remy and Cody and all these guys are all around and you guys are all working each other, that's awesome. And it's better than in most places. Yeah. But it's still not the experience of wrestling in front of people, fucking up in front of people, because what do you do when you're in a practice match and something – you start off the match and there's a fuck up. Well, you just start again. Right. You don't have luxury in a match in front of people. Right. It's like, oh, shit, we fucked up. How do we fix this? And, and that's the growing process, you know. Suavecitos, they bounce back strong. The show before would have matched that, you know, Danny predicted to be the banger of the night when they wrestled uh, the bad bitches. It was a shit fest. It, 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 you know, it is what it is. It, it wasn't good, you know. Right. And after the match, as crazy as Danny could be sometimes, he's like, yeah, you know, you know, bro, that, that match sucked. It's like, I know it did, and I'm glad you know it did. Yeah. It's the most important thing. Because a lot of times, and less in our cases, because Cody and Remy and Sin and Kenny are not going to sugarcoat shit. Right. They're not going to be like, oh, that was a great arm drag, and forget about that the rest of the match sucked after the first arm drag. You know what I mean? It's like if you have a lot, you know, a headlock takeover and you did it well, well, you fucking better do it well. <laughs> if you don't do that well, what the hell am I doing putting you on a show? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the other stuff, and it's the match, and it's the psychology, and the tag ins, and making sure that the referee isn't exposed where you make them look like a fucking jamook. You know what I mean? Yeah. And. You know, it, it's putting all that together that you can't do without being experienced. And how do you get experience? Well, you have to be on shows, you know, back in the early days. And that was the reason for the pre-shows, and especially at the casino shows, where when Jacob Austin Young and Greg Romero were just starting, and they were gorgeous and young, and they weren't ready for the prime time. But 
hey, let's get these guys some experience and put them on a pre-show. And sometimes we'd bring in a team or we'd use some outside talent for them to see how they would react in the settings. And you know what? Some of those matches probably sucked and some of those matches were probably pretty good. But the dynamic of all those matches made them better a lot quicker than they probably would have in a regular environment at a regular wrestling school that again didn't have a promotion attached to it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. Um when you uh look at um you know some of the younger talent, um one of the uh names that you know kind of comes up is uh a young kid whose birthday uh I believe was today um well today as in Tuesday, I guess. Uh but uh Bodie what does it do for you when you see a kid like that with so much potential, so young? Um, and how do you how do you guys help nurture not only his skill and his athleticism, but also not to make sure he doesn't get um, complacent or think that he's so good that you know in five years from now if he encounters bumps along the road into you know becoming a pro wrestler how do you guys make sure that a level a kid gets a level headedness so that they can go out there and if you know they're asked to do jobs or maybe the rejection of you know sending things out to florida or to new york or to you know portland how is that installed in a younger student, especially, you know, when you see a kid who is going to go from kids' classes absolutely to the next level of classes and start training with guys like Damian Drake and Matt Vandergriff, etc.? What is that process like for you guys as a school? Well, first off with Bodie, I think if he kind of acts up or gets a little crazy that his mom's going to whip his ass. That's <laughs> okay. So, you know, I, I see a pretty large respect thing with them that he knows better, you know, because, again, who do you think's paying for training? True. Yep. I mean, Bodie, you, you know what I mean? So you better be on your best behavior. And, you know, he's obviously been instilled good values. You know, he's a kid that he still shows up at kids' class all the time. And if Hater's not around, or even if Hater is around, it's almost like he's become the assistant trainer for the kids' class. You know? Sure. And the, the one thing that we tried to do, because, you know, he just turned 14, and... We try to put him in situations to succeed. And that's why you don't really see him on a lot of shows. Right. You know, you can't overexpose a kid that's only 14 years old who's not that big. You know, obviously he's not all muscles. He's 14 years old. Yeah. So you have to, you know, keep things in check to where, you know, how are others going to work with him? You need to put people in there that you can trust him with, yeah. you know, 
So when he works a Remy Marcel, you know what I mean? You know, we talked a lot when he worked Vinny Wasco. And I joke with Vinny and I bust his balls a lot. But you know what? You know, he, he, he did business and he took care, you know, of Bodie, you know, really, really well. Yeah. And, you know, there's a reason why a lot of those SoCal guys, you know, hey, what's up with Vinny? When are you going to give him a win? When are you going to give him a win? You know? And it's like, well, you know, when we feel he's ready to get that win, you know, he'll get it. You know, he's a guy who's getting some good bookings. But in the past, when he wasn't, he's like, oh, I'm going to be down anyway. I'm driving down anyway. And then it's like, you know, me being the nice guy that I am, contrary to what a lot of others believe, you know, it's like this dude just drove fucking four hours to be here, you know. All right, let me put him in the sixth man. Let me get him something. And I've pretty much always gotten him a spot on a show when there really was no spots on the show. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's like I try to show as much appreciation and I'll show loyalty to the people that are, you know, loyal to me. And, you know, when I need something or it's last minute, and like I said, initially class wasn't even booked for Friday night. And it's like, you know what? There is absolutely no reason, but it's not going to be like, hey, I know you have the cash in the case, so can you come down? But I'm not going to book you at all. And we're going to have you walk out and maybe look at Remy Marcel. Is that worth a nine-hour drive with Graves in the car bitching about his nine-hour drive and he's got a match? <laughs> yeah. So... You know, I have to figure out a way to get on there. And, you know, it's kind of like after the Suavecitos match, and they know it was a good match and everything worked good and they got a lot of heat, you know. Hey, boss, you know, pre-show match on uh, Friday. I'm like, yeah, unfortunately, I'm not thinking so. You know, we don't really have a spot. Right. It's like bringing in a lot of guys. It's a casino show at the school. You know, I got you on the show before it, and I got you on the show after it. You guys worked the show on the 8th, which initially was going to be a future shock. But once we knew, we got Psycho Clown and Adonis, then we did the ice thing, and Cepha and Bay showed up. And, you know, it was one of, it was probably the best attended show that we've had since we've been back. And the good news is, just like in the past, the best thing that ever happened gets shattered six days later, you know? Yeah. And already, you know, every front row is sold. Yeah. Which is, we're scrambling for, to try to maneuver some seats, you know, to get three more front rows in, you know, to get to 60. Yeah. It's, you know, really help us. And we're, you know, spacing out the seats, you know, the bleachers are every other row until hopefully June 1st. So imagine three rows of 15 to 20 poor people. That That's another 60 people. Yeah. And that's not counting the three rows that we have that we space it out a little bit. So if your group of four is here and your group of four is here, that way we can leave a space for a group of another two or three. Well, add those up, and that's another, you know, four, eight, 12 seats on top of the – of the 45. Right. So now there's 60 more people in there, you know? 
Um, you know, let me ask you then, uh, too, on a thought that you kind of touched on earlier with uh, the guys being able to sell merch. Um, how has that been for you in terms of uh, reconfiguring the arena to fit the seats in? Um, do the guys still have an opportunity? Um, are you looking at, do you sell the merch after the show? How do you solve that um, you know, that little bit of a dilemma space versus the opportunity to make a few extra dollars? Well, I, I, I'll be honest. First and foremost, it sucks uh, because we kind of cleared out the arena area to, to provide a little more room. Uh, you know, we've even added some chairs. But we also have that portable swamp cooler because ours is broken. We're getting it fixed this week. You know, some crazy fucking landlord rule that we have to fix our own swamp cooler, but it ain't our swamp cooler. It's your swamp cooler. <laughs> but they rewrote the lease, I guess. So we're responsible for repairs. But they're responsible to replace the air filter. Well, thanks a lot. See, it's your swamp cooler. I have a five-year lease that in three years I could leave, and now I just spent $1,000 to fix your swamp cooler? Dude, does that mean I could take the, the, the piece out yeah. when I leave? Yeah. You know, I've never heard that where we're responsible to fix a swamp cooler. You know, if we took a bat to it and destroyed it, I could see it. But we don't go on the roof. It's making a squeaking noise. Turns out it needs ball bearings, so we have to fix it. Man. And the last thing was... It, the water wasn't circulating because the the pump that cost twenty five bucks at Home Depot is now two hundred dollars through the landlord where we have to pay that. So we went up there and did it. Oh man, five bucks. Yeah, it's like you guys should have replaced it to begin with. Yeah, yeah. That's that's. It's unfathomable that that is the situation. That is so ridiculous. And you're right. It's like, well, yeah, you should be able to pull your parts out when you leave. Uh, so what we what we yeah. did was like for Psycho Clown, you know, we did a little meet and greet. So we had, you know, uh, a half dozen or more people. You know, they wanted to take the picture. We got an autograph thing for 20 bucks. Good deal. You got a signed picture and a picture with the guy. And we did it in the front where the counter is. The problem is he was late. We were going to do it at 6 o'clock. Doors open at about 6.15 because we wanted to give a little more time because we knew we were doing the pre-show match. But he showed up at 6.30. So in between the doors opening, we were so crowded to the area of, hang on, we can't let you pay to get into the show because he's taking a picture with somebody. Right. He's around the counter. So he's got to be in front of where I would sit to run the door. Right. But wrestlers can put stuff up there. But as we learned at Samstown, when the shirts are outside the area of where everybody's at, it becomes a little difficult. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like now, in reality, it's right before the show or after the show, people are going to have to buy stuff. Because people aren't usually leaving the the area during the show. Right. So, you know, that's one thing 
room wise, you know, we cut down like say the, the concessions just because what we were allowed with everything going on, but we moved that to behind the bleachers. But now when we had to move the ring, it made it really a tight fit and it's a tight fit anyway to put a table there yeah. behind the bleachers because one idea was to move the bleachers a little bit and then it would be, you'd have the whole area, but we have so much storage you know, we got two coffins, you know, we so much shit back there that it's a danger zone if anybody walked there. Yeah. So all we have is that little four foot area for somebody, which we still need to do because, you know, there is income from selling waters and drinks and, you know, sodas and little snacks and people want stuff. But in the past, we were able to do like nachos and hot dogs but because of the regulations, we really couldn't. But now we're hoping to, you know, bring in that few extra bucks. You know, a good a good concession day, you know, can pay for two people. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the other thing is our merch sucks. You know, we had a good deal going with the guy, and then he started raising prices, wanted the screens. So we're really kind of in limbo about having somebody to print up our shit. You know, you know, we already have the, 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 the design that we use as the logo, the new one that looks sharp as shit. Yeah. But we need the vector file, and Joey can create the stuff, but it's more the JPEG and the PNG. But the regular screen places, they need the vector file of it, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, that's shit that's like, you know, not much is above my pay grade, but that is. I was gonna say that. So like we got, yeah, we got no shirts, we got no merch. You know, I've been wanting to do a because the first one, the pictures were terrible. It was rushed together, the trading card set, and I think it would be you know really cool thing to do again. You know, yeah. and we've had different people that were in charge of the designs, and we've gotten like four different designs that all look good but never got finished. And that you know that's that's an interesting uh, fact. I, I have always wondered where you know the the merchandising end of FSW itself, um, you know where the merch was, um, and that actually answers a, a huge question for me, especially with like you said, man, all this. <laughs> All this computer stuff now that everyone needs to make a t-shirt. Remember when you could just walk into the uh, the shop and just kind of like hand over a piece of paper and you're like, here's the design we have. And then they'd, you know, do all their, you know, design uh, creation on the shirt. And the next thing you know, two weeks later, you walk in, you get your batch of stuff and that's it. Yeah. You're, you're all happy. That's it's crazy that we're hitting that. Um Let's uh, talk really quick as we're kind of uh, ending the the episode here soon. Um, this Friday, the 14th, um, it's going to be on Fight TV. Um, it's changing the game. And uh, again, uh, remind everyone of the actual matches that are booked so far and some of the other talent they'll uh, be able to see on the show. Well, in most cases, I'm pretty much going to be able to give you, uh, you know, the whole card. Uh, you know, we got Hammerstone's going to defend the FSW Heavyweight Championship against Jordan Oliver, one of the hottest 
you know, young wrestlers in the in the world today. Yeah. You know, he is, you know, that next up and coming superstar. Uh, then we have in the semi main a, a special attraction match. Leo Rush is going to take on Trey Lamar, and Trey Lamar is another guy who is right there on the cusp of something big that, you know, fast forward to a year from now, you know, there's a good chance Jordan Oliver or Trey Lamar are on a national stage. Yeah. And uh, we had some issues. The unguided were supposed to take on the bad bitches. And uh, Parada has taken a leave of absence. He's got some things going on that he needs to take care of. Uh, So we decided that we were going to keep that match. And now Jay Vidal is going to pick a mystery partner that uh, I know who it is. <laughs> let me tell you, I'm extremely excited. You know? Excellent. That has the potential to be the match of the night, as does about six matches. <laughs> so we got that. So then we got a, uh, a scramble match featuring uh, the No Limits guys. Even though Funny Bone, who's one of the guys, is now a super heavyweight, <laughs> for anybody who's seen him. But as we call the No Limits division, Funny Bone is that perfect example of a guy with size, but he does all, you know, all that high risk crazy shit yeah. that you count on. So you got Funny Bone, you got Eli Everfly, who never fails to impress. You got Brandon Gatson, you know, back from injury who is always exciting and fun to watch. A youngster by the name of Jack Cartwheel, who's really making uh, his presence known. He's also going to be on the GCW show the next day. You know, NorCal guy. uh, Tremendous. I think he has a little bit of that gymnastics background. So it'll be interesting to see what him and and Gatson can do. And then a guy that we've used who kind of flew under the radar uh, who is now featured on the uh, New Japan Strong Shows, Adrian Quest, who, you know, is another tremendous talent. So yeah. that's a five-way scramble that right now I'm looking at that match to open up the show on Friday night, you know. And then we talked about Hero and Class are going to be in the, uh, the pre-show match, which should really, you know, kick things off. Then we have a best of three series going on. RMB is up one nothing, uh, so they get to take on Death Proof. Uh, Sandra Moon was very impressive beating Strella. She is the number one contender, but she will not be facing Maserati in a one-on-one match. Uh, we were able to get some talented other young women. Uh, Jocelyn Navarro from OVW, who worked the women's show, she was going to be in town. So her and Sandra Moon are going to team up and take on Maserati and Christy James from Texas, who has uh, garnered a a real good following herself. Yeah. So, and then we just talked about adding Toko Uso and Bad Dude Tito, better known as the MK Army, which means MK will be in effect after that tremendous chair shot that he took. I don't know if you've seen it, but holy shit. We thought fucking decapitated, knocked out cold. He got smashed by a psycho clown. 
<laughs> you know? But he will be there in a six-man tag against uh, the team of Sky High and Graves. And Ice Williams and Sefa Fatu, how could I forget? That's that's another main event yeah. on any other FSW show. You know, and then Remy Marcel doesn't want to be left out of the mix. Initially, he was scheduled to wrestle Sean Davari for the Nevada State Championship. And if you go way back to when uh, Davari was part of FSW in, say, 2012-ish, 2011, uh, he was once a partner of Remy Marcel and turned on him at an event in Samstown and became the leader of the enemies of the state. So that was scheduled to be the match. But... We also had Trey Miguel and Chris Bay booked on the show, but Impact moved their tapings to this week, and unfortunately. Yeah. So with Ari out, we were scrambling for a couple people, and they just were unable uh, scheduling-wise. You know, we were looking at, you know, guys like Danny Limelight, you know, doing the AEW thing, been wanting to work. So we decided that uh, Remy Marcel – uh, would have an open challenge. Nice. Face anybody that he has never faced before and give them the opportunity uh, to be the, the Nevada State champion. You know, I saw a mention uh, Estrella and Nick Xander were very interested at uh, possibly getting that opportunity. So, you know, we will see. Nine matches are set. You know, show starts at 7. I'm praying. <laughs> that we can by 10 p.m. Oh man, um, you know, hey, listen, if it if it goes to 11 p.m., the card itself is just phenomenal. So I don't think that there will be any uh, any complaints on the uh, the fans' end. Um, yeah, the question is like, ah, oh, you know, how long are these guys going to get? You know. Yeah. I, you know, I expect Hammerstone and Jordan Oliver to, you know, to wrestle for a long time. And if I know Hammerstone, you know, if Leo Rush and Trey Lamar before them, you know, really kill it and go a long distance, you know, Hammerstone's going to try to outshine them. So, and that's the great thing. We got 10 guys on that show that want to maybe more. You know, I know the Unguided and Jay Vidal and, and their partner, they want to have the match of the night. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, e- even, you know, Ice Williams and Sefa, you know. Yeah. I- Ice Williams has got some good backup going on. But, you know, this is the biggest threat Ice Williams has faced, you know. And, and you know, besides Sefa, he's got Chris Bay looming. He's made a lot of enemies recently, Ice Williams. <laughs> um and uh, for everyone, again, it's on Fight TV if you can't make it out to the arena. Um, so they won't shoot it off like they did with that Lucra on the network. Right. Exactly. The three-hour limit that nobody knew about till uh, 10.02. <laughs> you know, and we put it on our homepage, but, you know, people had to scramble. And we don't want people who are paying for a show have to scramble to find out or have to read the, uh, the forum notes right. that... Uh, you know, the only forum notes I want people reading is the old penthouse forum notes that I remember. <laughs> I used to enjoy immensely. Oh man, we uh, we we are getting older, aren't we? <laughs> yes, I don't even know if that exists anymore. I don't either. <laughs> you know, and if it does, they might not even 
didn't have pictures from what I hear. Well, yeah, I think Playboy was the ones who um, totally eliminated the nude pictures, which, why? <laughs> you know? Yeah. But um, Might as well buy Vogue magazine now. Seriously, right? It's But, you know, again, ever-changing world, and those of us who are getting a little grayer and a little more wrinklier, um, yeah, we, we remember our days a little more memorable, I think than uh, the kids today but you know uh finally uh as we uh, wrap up here uh this uh past week on uh vice um uh, they have the contract now with mlw so what they've been doing on saturdays uh is basically showing compilation episodes and um i just want listeners if you're out there and you're hearing this Check out MLW if you haven't, you know, looked at their past catalog or keep your eyes peeled for the episodes on Vice because you'll get a chance to see Hammerstone when he was with MJF. And, um, man, you talk about some entertaining stuff right there. I, You know, I don't know. Was it MJF who influenced hammerstone or was it hammerstone who influenced mjf that's the the uh, ball i'm juggling in my mind because man you got two entertaining guys there that um we're lucky to see alex here at fsw all the time and being the champion as well is a treat so if you're not familiar with hammerstone's work and you are familiar with MJF, check out MLW, uh, their past stuff, so that you can see those two working together uh, as part of that beautiful dynasty that they had there. Uh, any final thoughts, Joe, uh, before we uh, say goodbye? You know, running shows is, has always been the heart and soul of everything that I wanted to do when I got into the wrestling business. And, you know, this past year... We had our ups and downs at the school, open, closed, not being able to be open for a while. But running the school was never the passion of what we were doing. So I got to admit, you know, not being able to do shows was extremely frustrating because the school part is the school. You know, you're trying to develop and we've developed some great guys and, and in most cases, but when there's no shows going on, you know, there's a lot of complacency, you know, there's a lot of frustration amongst them. And as I consider myself the, uh, the principal of FSW High School, because, you know, the 23-year-olds that act like they're 12, you know, yep. crying about this, crying about that. Hey, we're doing a show. Hey, I'm not on it. Oh, what about me? What about me? You know, and... I've been dying to do these bigger and bigger shows. It's like even with our anniversary show, you know, it's looking more and more like it's going to be done at the FSW arena. Uh, the only good thing about it is hopefully we'll be able to add those 50 or 60 people, but it's still going to be disappointing that all we'll be able to have is a couple hundred people at our anniversary show. Yeah. But you know, it is what it is. You know, we got some early plans. We were talking about a two-day show. 
Uh, we're also talking about a one-day show. We're also talking about the Against All Odds Rumble being part of the anniversary show this time around. So it's like, you know, the fans have been fantastic. You know, it, it, it's amazing the, the support that they have for us because it's funny because, you, you know, you see clips of the other shows that are being run and it's like all the familiar faces that they don't care. You know, they love wrestling. Yeah. And, and you know, good, bad, indifferent, they're going to they're gonna support the guys. You know, when I talk about the merch, I, I joke around. We do need merch and stuff like that. But one thing I've learned is that if somebody has to choose, you know, between a uh, Remy Marcel T-shirt or an FSW T-shirt, they're always going to go with the wrestler. They're going to support them because they understand the journey and the grind and the commitment and what little money is made on the independent circuit that they do whatever they can, you know, to support. Uh, funny story quickly. Uh, funny Bone is uh, a guy in Texas. Uh, Tom Lawler hooked me up with. He's doing the Indie Expo out there. Okay. And, you know, I was trying to help out a little bit because he was asking about some of the guys. And uh, I know for a fact, uh, I guess Vandergriff's going to be on the show because there's a guy, something Q. I don't even really know what his name was. Mysterious Q. I, I don't even know what it is. But I guess he's pretty big down in the Texas. And he was on Vandergriff's dream list. And the guy came down to the show, Steven, and it happened to be the night Vandegrift wrestled Jay Vidal. Oh. So being on the guy's list and then seeing him, you know, he's going he's gonna to be bringing him down to that show. And he asked about Funny Bone, and it was the negotiation of, yeah, this is my rate, plus I need two bags. And it was like, two bags? You know, a lot of people just carry their carry bag on Allegiant. And they don't even, you know, have a carry-on. I mean, a, you know, a check-in bag. Right. But Funbone, you know, he enjoys his payday, which ain't huge, but he looks to sell and make two, three times the amount because he's got buttons and he's got shirts and he's got this. And Funnybone's yeah. got a million different things to where he has become his own entity and he has no interest in going anywhere else. He is extremely happy you know, flying and working independent shows throughout the country and making his money, uh, you know, in other ways yeah. than just wrestling a match, you know, and, and, and wrestling's come a long way that it's truly amazing that the perception that a lot of people have of wrestling, oh, they, they don't have any money, you know, trailer park, we've heard that for years. Yes. And even had to deal with that, you know, because especially like it's initially at Samstown, when people would go to those pay-per-views, they would go because it was free and they didn't buy drinks and they didn't do anything. They tried to go in as cheap as possible. Yeah. It's like, aren't our fans, yo. It's like, you need to understand that family of four is paying up to $200 to come down there. You know, if we're doing a meet and greet and we're doing stuff, you know, they're spending four or five hundred bucks yeah. because buying the wrestler, all the wrestlers shirts and they're buying the pictures and they're buying the meet and greet with Pentagon and Phoenix. You know, that was 50 bucks a pop. Yeah. And, and 
let alone 40, 50 bucks for front row and let alone buying a $150 mask, you know, they could spend two, $300. And it's like, go to WrestleMania, you know, they're selling out $1,200 front rows. And it's like, you know, there's a lot of things to do with your money. And some wrestling fans are huge wrestling fans and they're willing to put it in or the donation system where GCW ran at the arena, no fans. And they raised like $1,500. I have $15,000. Sorry, yeah. $1,500. I think it was $17,000 wow. that they split amongst the wrestlers. Yeah. You know, it would take me four months to pay Matt Vandegrift. <laughs> oh, man. And, and, I think I think you just accidentally just set Matt's price, man. Yeah, you know. <laughs> just 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 wait till he holds you up on Friday. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> That's all right, you know. We we'll, we we'll let's stick Jay Vidal with Damian Drake since you know the bad bitches are uh, on hiatus. <laughs> oh man. Um you know, that's that's an excellent point though. Um and something that uh, I think is very important, and that is, even if you're watching and listening to this now, um, if you're not in Las Vegas, um, you can, if you know, you buy the pay per view on, on Fight TV and you see, hey, I like this guy, I like that guy, look up. Some of the guys do have pro wrestling tees uh, stores or some variation. Uh. Everybody's got somewhere to, to, exactly. to sell their shirts. Exactly. So, you know, it's it's encouraging um, anyone who might not be at a live show, please check out the merchandise for some of the wrestlers that you might uh, really enjoy. Because, again, you know, during this uh, past year, it's been tough for a lot of the, the guys. Um, so it's always nice to... Uh, show support for uh independent wrestlers themselves and um you know it's something that i'm passionate about because i've known so many guys over you know this long period of time of 20 some odd years um who if it wasn't for the fans you know buying a t-shirt buying some kind of button or memorabilia um you know the guys might not have stuck it out um so it, it is very important and also again please um as you see things here in las vegas open up um please check out fsw because you know it's like i said supporting the wrestlers is one thing but also supporting fsw uh is very important because of the fact that if you look across the country there is not a lot of wrestling companies that put the heart and soul of production value into their shows and to keep that running and keep that going, you know, it's something that, um, you know, you got to come to these live shows and I know everyone's kind of walking on eggshells still, but, um, you know what? It's as safe as it possibly can be without committing yourself to living in your, you know, apartment or, or house. So, um, you know, I urge fans check, check it out. especially if you haven't been to FSW, check it out, man. It's, it's going to blow your mind. Um, one very final thought here, uh, Simon street, one of the bad boys, 
he took his son to the show, uh, Psycho de Mayo, and um, boy, his son at, uh, I believe he's like eight years old, never been to a live wrestling show. And now, you all, Joe, might have made him into a kid who might want to become a wrestler because his mind was blown by what he saw, man. And I still think that's one of the coolest things. We've all been there as a kid, walking into the arena for the first time and seeing live matches. And you know that it just means so much to these kids who haven't seen it live yet that what you guys are doing is such a cool atmosphere for the first experience of any youngster so you know i know that he appreciated what he saw and um also he did say that for whatever reason his son was not having sandra moon which that blew my mind man really yeah (laughs) so it was it was like out of everything he's like you know hey yeah he he just was not having Sandra Moon. I was like, really? The baby face, baby face, baby face? So, yeah. Um, I think uh, Sandra Choke and uh, Strella might have uh, struck a chord. Percussions down the line, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's, you know what, again, that's the importance of uh, independent wrestling and uh, especially the importance of what we see here in Las Vegas with FSW. And, uh, you know, again, building future uh, fans uh, as well as potentially future wrestlers um, is just so important uh, to to see. So please um, support FSW if you can. And uh, listen to the Vegas Bad Boys when you get a chance. Uh, check out our, our catalog. Um, and uh, we'll have a, a website launching here within the next uh, two weeks. So... Um, you can find all our stuff through the website once that uh, goes online, uh, including links. Do I, do I know your website designer? Yes. Yeah, you, you do. You do. Um, he might have had a hand in uh, designing FSW's website. So, <laughs> um, But there will be links uh, on our website as well. Um, so if you're browsing our page and you see something that you like um click on the link um you'll see links to fsw as well as uh to our web designer too i i offered him to put up his stuff so if you guys are looking for uh anyone to design web pages um please uh check out uh our page and uh you'll see a lot of information and we'll uh give more of that out um once we know exactly the uh, launch date so uh for all of us here on the defalco files thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you guys next time